Hello, it's Hello, Mar- Nick. <sighs> March. <laughs> 2012. And this is the Big Finish Podcast. Oh, hey. Jolly good. <laughs> we were talking about how it went smoothly with that, David. There was an example of the problem we could have. <laughs> I think, you know, I think people probably mistake us for a jolly gang, you know, and actually all we're doing is sitting here trying to sabotage each other. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm Nick Briggs. You are? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to come in now. I'm just with you. We have it's no like, argument on that It's like score. trying to <laughs> do a home movie with your awkward uncle, isn't it? <laughs> That was David Richardson over there. Hello, David. Hello. Hello, I'm Paul Sprague, because I'm Uh. quite capable of introducing myself. And this is Bob. No, that's you hitting the door frame. Let's move on. (laughs) How dare you deny the existence of Bob. My psychosis (laughs) may just tip me over the edge. Okay, Okay. now then. Very much a Bob agnostic. Just going to repeat everything I say, David. Yes. You didn't. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to have a glass of water. Hey, if you can do Bob's voice while you're drinking that, <laughs> there could be a whole new career ahead of you. <laughs> oh, spat it out. Oh. Oh, that's saliva. why I should never make suggestions. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I made the mistake of asking my son a question while he was drinking some orange juice recently. And, of course, being very small, he, he just opened his mouth to speak to me and all the orange juice came out, which then he found extremely funny. It was funny, actually. I couldn't really tell him off. Although I did send him to the cellar for two days for that. It's only fair, really, isn't it? That was a joke. Um, Has he come down from the chimney? (laughs) In my ground floor (laughs) flat, yeah. Um, Tell us about some stuff we missed off for February, the end of February. Well, I, I don't want to. It's not really yeah. up to me, is it? Should we, should we go to David? For example, the Salation Gambit. The Salation Gambit. Have yeah. you heard it? Uh, no, I Why haven't. Not? Well, I'm going to. It looks from Jolly Good and post-production by Alistair Locke mm. to boot. It's going to be amazing. I it's a, just it's a companion chronicles. It did, but I think Jamie I... and Polly. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think it sounds like a 60s soundtrack. Right. I'm going to I put keep it saying on that, now. but it does. It yeah. does. Because you've got Jamie and Polly, and of course Fraser does the Doctor's voice. Yeah. And he's getting... I mean, good at doing Ben as well, you know. He's he's, he's yeah. got Ben to a to a T. So. Why is he impersonating my son? That's just bizarre. Yeah. Ha ha. Um, okay, well, let's have a clip. And that was when the monsters arrived. There were three of them stomping in from the exit to the parking bay. Squat creatures in golden armor, which made them look like sharks, walking sharks. Metal fins sprouted from their backs and they had big blaster guns fastened to each of their stumpy arms. This is a raid. Get down on the floor. Put your hands on your heads and nobody will be harmed. Fail to obey and you will be crushed like the plankton you are. This? This is an outrage. The protest came from the overly made-up lady. Don't you know who I am? I am Lady Sylvia. A gun arm swung towards her, and the doctor leapt in with his best mollifying tone. It, it, it rather seems they don't, and that being the case, I think it might be wisest to just do as they say. Well, if that doesn't recommend it, I don't know what does. And it's all 60s incidental music. Oh, I, I love like it. it. I like it. Good-o, good-o. 
Um, also, we should mention Graceless 2, which is out, which has the most fantastic... It's a box set. Three adventures, isn't it? Yes. And it has the most fantastic cover because uh, they asked listeners to send in photographs of themselves screaming, basically. They asked. We asked. We asked. Well, Alex the Mullinson here. asked. Yeah. I don't consider him part of me. No. Uh, and... And all these faces are on the front. You ought to have a look. It's really good. I mean, obviously, that can't be the only reason for buying it, but it is brilliant as well. There's even a baby. Is there? Those faces. Have you seen? Uh, <laughs> no, I hadn't noticed that. It's quite nightmarish, actually. Mm. And let's have a clip from Graceless. I'm Zara. I help people. I try to help people. We both do. Me and my sister. Swallowed a ton of mud? Oh, I've torn my dress. I really like this dress. Did you get the key? Yeah, it's right here. So now their art missiles can't fire. Serves them right for my dress. Let's get away from here. Give me your hand. As long as we're together, we can go anywhere or when. Just need to think it and we're there. It's good fun. Mostly. Watch out! It's coming back! It's a Stegosaurus! Whoa! I think it wants to play. Graceless, for those of you who didn't know, is a series which involves two characters who were created for the Key 2 time series we did uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, it's a very successful first series, so another one was commissioned. I believe there will be another one on the way, mm. which will make it a sort of trilogy. Mm. Fascinating stuff. Who's in it? Um, Laura Doddington and Kira Jansen or the Tracer Girls the and twins also, and also Derek Griffiths is in it isn't he he's, in, he's in series 2 he's, yes who's a legend David Warner is in uh, the first series he is yeah. it's great stuff uh, but not for the younger no not for the younger who's the younger younger <laughs> Pitt that Prime Minister uh. Um, so uh, we had a clip of Graces then, didn't we? Yeah. Yep. So now, Benny, a fantastic box set coming out, Road Trip. Well, it came out in February. Here's a clip from that. Hey there, cool people of Lynn Diaz. You're listening to the live audio stream G371, the only official source of government-approved, easy-listening entertainment as sponsored by the Dominici Corporation. It's the 13th day of the 13th month, and that means just one thing, people. It's time to pause. I mean, what was wrong with a good old-fashioned jobs worth checking passports anyway? Welcome to Lindaya's Immigration Control. Place your hand on the scanner and answer all questions truthfully and concisely. If I must. Ow! What the hell was that? Inoculation against prevalent viruses, regulation DNA swab, insertion of citizen compliance chip, process completed. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Can we just backtrack a second here? Citizen what? The citizen compliance chip carries a record of your good citizen status. Any misdemeanors will be registered as points on your chip. Accrue enough points and this may result in deportation, imprisonment, execution or extended community service. I think I'll stick to air miles, thanks. 
They are. Can't recommend that enough. Brilliant stuff. There's also, also the Benny book. book. Yeah, Benny Book. The Weather on the Simmon. And it's the Versimon? first Versimon? first uh, proper Benny novel that we've done for quite some time because it's a break from the, the short stories collection, so it's a proper full-length novel. Mm. Who's and it by? Out now. It's by Matthew Griffiths. No, no relation to Derek. No relation to Derek or Jamie. Uh, oh. Who does uh, some of our editing for our CD extras. Um, so, yes, that's out. Go and buy it. It's great fun. That was a clip from it. <laughs> I'm just joking. You can't uh, do a clip from a book. No, you can't. You can right, shall I read a bit? Shall I go and get it and read a bit? Go on, then. <laughs> then go on. Scamper, scamper. <laughs> it's the most excited I've seen him in ages. Okay. It's got a very good cover, hasn't it? It's got, it's got a lovely cover, yeah. You read a clip, Sprague, with your funny accent. <laughs> so, hang on, shall, I, shall I take it from track three? <laughs> <laughs> chapter three. Start with chapter three. <laughs> Do it in your best Lisa Bowman voice. I can't, I can't find it now. Oh, these, these chapters go on forever. Oh, it's oh, value for money, isn't it? Yeah. Ruth budged her back against the foliage, and though it squirmed, it would not give. Wherever sunlight shot down through the cavern's roof, the unlikely leaves and tendrils wove themselves up towards it. As the creatures approached and her eyes got used to the limited light, she could see the way they half padded, half swayed on their claw-tipped feet, as though they hadn't got the hang of walking yet. Let's stop right there. I'm too excited to hear any more. Exactly. Uh, that's the effect that my voice can have sometimes. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> you keep believing that. Now, <clears throat> before we uh, go to... Uh, the, the thing I wanted to say was that this is going to be a big Blake 7 thing, this podcast, isn't it? Yes. Because we did a Blake 7 panel at Big Finish Day 2... Um, and that who did it feature oh gosh it was me and Lisa Bauman and Justin Richards and Peter Angelides and Nigel Fares and Simon Guerrier Alistair Locke who did the sound design um, Paul Darrow and Anthony Howell there you go so there were about ten of us and it was a packed room it was great did you get all of you around that table we kind of squashed up, but it kind of worked really well, actually, because you were worried there'd be too many people. I certainly did. I don't like panels with too many people. I like to focus on a couple. But anyway, uh, I, I wait with bated breath to edit that onto the end of this podcast. Before that happens, and it is imminent, uh, can we just have an email from a listener? Oh, dear. I knew you were going to catch me on the hot with this. I thought oh, I, I was Every I was month, safe. every week. Every day I catch him on the hop. Where the unit berry was yes. to do it. No, I, well, I, can we put a picture of you with the unit berry up on the site to go with this podcast? Oh. You look uh, like a Czechoslovakian sailor. You do. Hello, sailor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we did get this uh, nice, I don't nice know where message. You're balancing from... so that the hat won't fall off. Yeah. No, it's not going to fall off. It's fine. Let's see Oh, you just always hold your head like that. Yeah. Uh, hi, Nick, Paul, and David. Hello. Good Lord, Hello. what are you doing to me, taking all my money? In the sale, yeah, I sorry bought... Sorry about that. That's a part-time occupation of mine, mugger. <laughs> <laughs> In the sale, I've bought Blood of the Daleks Part 2, as I got the first one free. That was really good, finding out how Can I just stop came you? David be... is doing something with a piece of plastic that's being picked oh, up sorry. by the microphone. What <laughs> is, is it? There were stickers. I was going to stick them on Paul Sprague's forehead. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> Carry got on. a very good microphone there. It was picking up this little... <laughs> yes. Um, I got the first one free. That was really good. Finding out how Lucy came to be with the Eighth Doctor. Oh, yeah. Then I got, got Horror of Glamrock. Why hasn't Bernard Cribbins been given a knighthood? And quite, I'll, quite. Why not? And I will be getting Death in Blackpool. Looking forward to that one. Anyway, keep up the great work. And also, love Toby Haydock's podcast. I have his CD, Motte, my Doctor Who scarf. All the best, Heather Coe. Oh, oh, lovely. I uh, saw um, 
Bernard Cribbins at David Tennant's wedding do. Mm. Yeah, and he was... Uh, do you know, I, I, I just did, I didn't think I'd spent enough time with Bernard for him to remember me, but he beckoned me over and said hello and how lovely it was to see me. Clearly thought I was someone else. But I, I suddenly thought we must have... <laughs> <laughs> Arabella Weir mistook me for another actor and spent the whole evening chasing me around, congratulating me on a performance. I had to find out from David afterwards who she actually thought I was because it was someone who hadn't been invited to the party. Was it Brad Pitt? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've also got this email from Rob Leather. Who I says, just wanted to say, I want to, uh, I want to employ Bernard Cribbins again. I've got, I've got a plan. Have you? Fingers Ooh. crossed. Anyway, carry on. Uh, Rob Leather says, Hello, oh, you know who you are. I'm playing mm. catch-up on all the old Big Finish podcasts and nearly spat out my coffee at the cruise of Davros. <laughs> Surely the cruise of Davros isn't running anymore due to the economic crisis in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I spat out my water. Oh, dear, what, again? <laughs> it's becoming something of a habit now. Oh. Hmm. Shame to see your drinking problem back. <laughs> hey, uh, well, that, will that do? And we'll go to over to Blake Seven now. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's fine, yes. Yeah, that's fine. He's vibrating his head to make his hat <laughs> fall off. Well, thank you all for joining us. And here is a load of Blake Seven gorgeousness. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I will then. I'll press stop. It is going to cut to me, you know. <laughs> Here's the gorgeous David, David Richardson. Richardson. Not the one who's here now, the gorgeous David oh, Richardson. Yeah. Hello. Hello, am I on? Hello, hello. 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 Um, I'm David Richardson. Uh, I produced the Blake Seven audios for Big Finish. It was my, my honour to produce it for Big Finish. It was a show I'd loved ever since I'd seen the first episode back in 1978. Um, so when we, we got the rights to make it on audio, I, uh, I insisted that I be allowed to do it, and thankfully Jason said yeah. So I got to meet, work with this wonderful bunch of people who I'm going to introduce. Uh, first of all, we've got Alistair Locke, who's a sound designer and musician. Simon Gurrier, who wrote The Turing Test. <laughs> Nigel Fares, who wrote Solitary. <laughs> Peter Angelides, who wrote Counterfeit. Justin Richards, who script-edited the series, and will be doing the rest. Lisa Bowerman, who's directed them all. Anthony Howell, who plays Gustav Nyron in Solitary. In my And I thought I'd leave him till last so he can make an entrance. Mr. Paul Darrow. <laughs> now I'm going to start with Paul. 
We've worked together before, haven't we? Because we we, Have we? we we did because we did Rebecca's World. Oh right? yes, that's right. Lisa yes, and Lisa directed it. Uh, yes. directed. I don't know if you know that Rebecca's World was a children's novel by Terry Nation, and Big Finish did an audiobook version, and uh, Paul performed it brilliantly. Um, yes, and that was the, that was the very first time we came together. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about Rebecca's World and what it meant to you. Um, <laughs> or we could have another. Question. You mean apart from the money? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. um, well, I, actually, it's quite an interesting story. Terry Nation, rest his soul, who was uh, the creator of Blake Seven and the Daleks, uh, which comes from some other show. Um, <clears throat> He has a daughter, had a daughter still, well, she's still around, Rebecca, and he wrote this children's story for her uh, when she was little. And now she's not little. And I was staying with them, I'm sort of one of the family, I'm pleased to say, in California, and she wanted to do a film of it, actually, and she wanted Martin Scorsese to direct and so on. And I thought, I don't think that's going to happen, <laughs> you know. And then she said she wanted a recording of it. And so Big Finish uh, agreed to uh, do a recording of it. And she said, now one Paul to, to do the narration. So um, that's how I got the job. They, they, they wanted somebody else, but that's how I got the job. And David, um, I remember now, uh, <laughs> produced it brilliantly. And of course, the lady on my right directed it and is directing all of the Liberator Chronicles. Yes. C yes. Can't get away from her. I mean, she, <laughs> she's the Meryl Streep of big <laughs> <laughs> finish. Thank you for that. Okay. So, so when you got the call saying, would you like to do Blake Seven and play Avon again in this series of audiobooks? What were your thoughts? How much? <laughs> yeah, I could tell. Yeah. Um, and could it be cash? <laughs> yes. Uh, um, um, Federation credits aren't what they used to be. You know. What is worrying, I'm getting Greek drachmas. Uh, yeah, no. Anyway. Um, well, uh, I love playing the character, and I felt sure that the scripts would be wonderful. Well, certainly one of them was. Uh, <laughs> I got got it in for you, though. Yeah, yeah, my one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Fine. Uh, no, no, they were all they were all very good, and uh, I like. I don't want to sound creepy or anything, but I do like working with um, Big Finish, and I think the reason being that I just said working with rather than working for, uh, there's a difference. And it's much more pleasurable to work with someone uh, than just to do as you're told and take your pay packet and go, you know. So I think it was very enjoyable. Well, I know it was very enjoyable to do. And uh, she's going to be embarrassed now, but Lisa's a wonderful director, uh, very kind. You know, if you get it wrong, she doesn't say that's wrong. She says, it's awfully good, darling. But I just wonder if we might tweak it a little here. You know. Whereas some people go, that's crap. Do it again. You know. 
So it was great fun to do. And from what I've heard, with all the bits and pieces added and so on, uh, it sounds pretty good. I, I actually haven't heard it myself yet, but some people I've spoken to this morning and I've had a few emails from people um, who've heard it and say it's all wonderful, which is quite a good idea and copies are available. Um, <laughs> after four o'clock, I think they go down a bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they do. <laughs> so... Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it was great fun to do, um, working with people that you get on with and are on a wavelength with, as it were, and respect, then uh, make, makes all the difference. So it was uh, a no-brainer, really, as soon as I was asked, yes. Yeah. And I'm going to come to Anthony, because how did you come to be working on the Blake 7? Because you played Gustav Nyron in Solitary, the second one, didn't you? That's right, yeah. Um, well, I was in... Uh, the studio recording with Tom Baker, recording uh, an episode of, um, of the Doctor Who series. And uh, it just came up in conversation. We were talking about childhood heroes and things like that. And uh, Tom Baker was, was my doctor. And, uh, and I said, oh, and if you ever get to do a Blake 7, please, 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 can I be part of it in whatever way, sort of, you know, third T-boy on the left or whatever. I mean, it, it, I, I was such a huge Blake 7 fan when I was a kid. Uh, and I mentioned it to David, and he said, oh, it's funny you should mention that, because <laughs> we've just got the right. I think you just acquired the right. So you just put everything in place for it to go ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, yeah, within a week, I think, the offer I was there. I think I rang your agent pretty much as I left the room. I said, wait. Ah <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, that's yeah, I checked with Lisa, and then we, we, made, we made the call. <laughs> yes. Oh, brilliant. Well, it was, uh, I don't know, I, I, it's part of my childhood. Blake 7 was such a big thing for me, as it is probably for a lot of people here. And, um, yeah, to be part of it is amazing. It's great. And what was the experience like on the day? Ah, oh, wonderful. Michael is such a lovely man. I mean, just... Yeah. It was just him and I in a booth. In fact, oh, yes. there, is, there is a part in the story of Solitary where Avon's character comes up, and I had to do an impression of you, which I think was my high point. Go on, then. Go on. <laughs> Go on. No, absolutely not. No, 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 no. Because I don't have the lines. I don't have the uh, lines. It wasn't bad, though, was it? It was brilliant. <laughs> and we have the lines right here. <laughs> Yeah, don't, don't be too good, Anthony. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I need the money. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't. But um, that was a thrill. It was a thrill. And on the day, as I said, just working just with, um, you know, with Lisa and with David and then with Michael was a sort of a dream, a kind of real geeky dream for me. It was brilliant. Because <laughs> when I was watching Blake 7, I didn't know I was going to be an actor. I thought I was going to be a chef, I think, at the time. So I had no idea that... that we didn't think we were going to be actors either when we were in it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, casting my mind back to, you know, the kid that was watching it, thinking, one day, kid, you're going to be part of this, was, um, was is, is, yeah, amazing, really lovely, really lovely. I'm going to throw over to Justin now, um, who I've known since 1970-something, and we actually, we actually, back in the 80s, we used to get together and watch Blake 7, didn't we? With Peter as well. We, 
Were we working? Yeah. Yes, we did, 19, 1977. So yep. we go back further than Blake 7. Yes. Which is a bit worrying, isn't it? It was yeah. the year Elvis died. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think they're related. That <laughs> <laughs> was almost certainly my fault, yes. And I just wondered if you could talk a bit about the kind of stories we wanted to tell and also the fact that we were doing um, two-handers as opposed to full-cast plays and how that, uh, how that works. Uh, yeah, the sorts of stories we wanted to tell were, were stories with two people in, really. For That's what a two-hander <laughs> generally is. <laughs> which, which also answers... He's good, he's good. Also answers your second question. Uh, no, it's, Cheap. It, it's yeah. an interesting... Um, it's an interesting format because it's, it, it's not just a, a monologue, it's not just a, relation, a narration or a sp spoken book, a talking word or whatever the phrase is, um, but it isn't a full drama. And the, and the trick, I suppose, is to try and make it seem like a full drama with just two voices. And uh, actually, for, for, it wouldn't work for a lot of things, but for Blake 7, I think it works very well that you get that uh, almost claustrophobic feel to it. Because uh, I always felt, watching it, that even, even though we knew that the Liberator was this enormous, huge, ultra-modern spaceship, that the BBC very cleverly made it look very small. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that was obviously for, you know, stylistic and, and thematic <laughs> reasons, to get this, this sort of pressure cooker of the, of the characters all trapped together in, a, in, in, in terms of, you know, all of space, a very, a very small area. Um, so it actually works very well. Um, why we're doing them with just two people, uh, I guess, is for reasons of contracts and money. But I don't worry about that. What you do is you, you make the most of what you've got. And it, it took us a couple of, couple of scripts, actually, to, to work out how best to play it, whether yeah. it was somebody telling a story with a few voices thrown in or whether it was more like a drama or some sort of hybrid of the two. So poor Peter, I think, we sent back a couple of times and said, yeah, that's exactly what we asked for, but we've changed our minds. Please start again. Uh, whereas Simon, bless him, I think, came along with pretty much what we were after in the first place. We went, yep, yep, that's it. And if it was a case of, you know, I'll know it when I see it, then, or hear it, then, then, then that was it. So it was, a, it was an interesting process getting to the, to the format that we have. But I personally, I think, it, having not heard any of them, I think it works brilliantly. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to bring Lisa in here as well, because I mean, you're, you're a great fan of the two-hander. Yeah, I mean, obviously, since, you know, we've been working together on the Companion Chronicles, uh, the advantage of the Companion Chronicles is that although it's not just a, a dry two-hander or mainly a narrated um, story with one other character, um, what we found over the years, I think, is that the format can change so much within just having two people. So you, you have the ones that are more narrated with a few interjections, you have the ones that are much more two-handers, and then you can have a balance of the two. And I think the advantage of all the three writers that you've got here today is that they've all had experience on the Companion Chronicles. And they all know the format and how to work it very, very well. And um, I love Nigel's, you know, there's that sort of, that's a lovely twists and claustrophobia of that one. And then there's Simon's one, which is, uh, again, what, what I love about Simon's is, is the fact that um, we all have an opinion about Avon. I'm not going to give anything away if you haven't heard it. But uh, it, it explores, this, this format allows you to explore the characters in a way that the television 
was never really going to do with no, the format. No, couldn't get inside was. characters' heads. So no, much never at all. And and Peter's again, you know, with with bringing back Blake because obviously, you know, Blake, Blake had gone from Blake Seven a long time ago, you know, and uh, trying to find an angle on that was must have been tricky. And I I think all three of them work together brilliantly, and they're not all the same. Stylistically, mm. every single one of them is different, you know. And they, uh, and they all have their diff different ways of, of, of telling the story, introducing other characters as well. And I think with all of them, they don't feel like two-handers. We were going back to, to what Paul was saying. You know, they, they, they don't, they, they feel, they have the feel of a, full, of a full cast audio. And I do think you can work the the format very well to your advantage and, and it might sound weird but sometimes it gives you a bit more flexibility which uh, you don't necessarily have with the, with the big big casts and it's easier to work with just one or two people yes <laughs> they do what they're told generally <laughs> and paul what, what's your first memory of blakeson um getting a call from my agent saying uh, they wanted to see me at the BBC, and they were doing a futuristic drama. And I said, well, how far in the future, next week or whatever? <laughs> and she didn't know. And she said, they want you to play an engineer, so go looking like an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, would I wear a hard hat or something? I, I, you know. So I, I went with one of those jackets with leather on the elbows. Elbows, thank you. And, and yeah, and anyway, I arrived and um, I met David Maloney, now sadly no longer with us, rest his soul, who looked like a smurf. <laughs> I say that in passing. And, and I was sitting next to this lady waiting to go in to be interviewed, a lady called Jan Chappell. And uh, she said, what part are you up for? I said, the engineer. And I said, what part are you up for? She said, an alien. And I said, I think you'll get that part. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was right. And uh, anyway, I went in and then David gave me the script and he said, read that and tell me what you think of the character called Avon. So I went into another room with a cup of disgusting BBC coffee. And I raced through this, and I said, there's only one thing wrong with this script. And David said, what, what? I said, I'm not in it. And it was episode one, which Avon isn't in. And he said, oh, sorry, I've given you the wrong one. I, so I was sent off again. And, and uh, then I came out and met various directors who were going to do it, some of whom I knew. And then I went home, and that was that, and I didn't hear anything. And then I got a call about three months later, I think it was, saying we would like you to play this part. And uh, I thought, look, pretty good part. In fact, I thought it was a very good part, because in those days, if you were the straight hero, as Blake was, then you couldn't do nasty things, like hit women and shoot people in the back and things like that, whereas I could. <laughs> and so uh, that's one of my first memories of that. And then uh, you're talking about Michael, who is a laugh, as you know. There's a, there's a wonderful moment. It's a little later on, it's when Gan is killed. 
And the, the director said, now I'm going to give a close-up of each of you. And I want to see your reaction to the fact that Gan has been killed. And I have a, a look, which is called the Avon look, which means nothing, actually. It's just a sort of stare, you know. <laughs> and so I got my close-up. And then he got to Michael, and he didn't do any reaction at all. And the director said to him, why aren't you reacting to Gan's death as if you're sad? And Michael said, well, I've worked it out. He said, there are only four bedrooms on the Liberator. Blake has one because he's the leader. No one would share with Avon. The two girls share. That means I was in with Gan. So now he's gone, I've got a room to myself. <laughs> I said, oh yeah, all right then. Yeah. <laughs> Simon, I'm going to make you follow that anecdote. Um, so, writing for Avon, what was that like in terms of... It was incredibly difficult until I was given an interview with... Is it Chris Butcher or Chris Boucher? Chris Boucher, who summed up Avon in a brilliant soundbite which he said when I was writing for Avon I always tried to give him two motivations so everything he did you could read it as him being a villain who was just out for himself and would kill anybody who got in his way or he was a hero and everything he did could be read either of those two ways and as soon as I got that I thought oh perfect that's what I'll do and then that was really hard to write. <laughs> so I kind of struggled with that, thinking, how am I going to do this? And basically, my play is Avon doing some stuff, and Villa keeps saying, are you doing this because you're a nice person or a nasty person? And not being answered. And that, that's my play, basically. It's uh, available in the gift shop now. <laughs> and moving over to Nigel, you did the second one, which was solitary. Yes. Um, in terms of coming up with your idea for it, how you pitched it, I mean, what, what, what were the thoughts? How did you come about the story? You just wrote it, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd ask something complicated like that. Um, I can't remember what I pitched, to be honest. You'd, that was your first pitch, I think. Was it? Yeah. Right. I mean, did, did, had, had it been a story in your head for a long time, or did you, did you think of it just for Blake Seven? Or? Uh, oh yes, I would have. You, you, yeah. I think you emailed me saying, "Would you like to write for Blake Seven? And I said, "Is the Pope a Nazi?" Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, of course, I'd like to write for Blake Seven. And uh, yeah, as long as I can write. Oh, excuse me, Paul. I'm so sorry. But as long as I can write for um, uh, Cali or Villa. And uh, <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> If I'm ever asked back, I will demand that I write for Avon. Yes. Now I know his motivation and all that. And you have, you have done more since, haven't you? Yeah, yeah I've written two coming, more. Coming up into the studio. Am I allowed to say who they're with? Um, <gasps> I can't oh, please, 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 please. It's so exciting. Go on, then. I've written for two for Callie, one with Travis and one with Servalan. See? <laughs> Neither with Avon. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> and, and Peter. Yes. Um, 
You are a Blake 7 person going way back. I am. You, you, used to you write know the series me? Inside Out, so when you came to write Counterfeit... You're going to give me a test now, aren't you? I'm not going to give you a test, because I wouldn't know the question. But um, how do you, do you tell, I think you told the most traditional Blake 7 story. It was, it was Federation, it was... Yes, because I wanted to write a story that reminded me of the, the series I fell in love with back in the 1970s. And David used to write uh, <coughs> fan fiction for my fan magazine, Blake 7 Fan Fiction. Copies no, available in the gift shop later on. Does it still exist? Yes. <laughs> I'm sure. No, I didn't. I'm sure I didn't. You were mixing me up. Well, maybe, maybe that was the stuff I turned down. I can't remember now. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, that's the idea. <laughs> what, like, what, what else would you like to know? P Peter, didn't you also go to the recording of Blake? I did. The, the, the last time uh, I saw Mr. Darrow here was in. BBC Television Centre, um, because a couple of my pals and I were invited to go along and watch the recording of uh, an episode, because we were going to try and get some work on Blake 7 magazine, uh, of blessed memory, and um, we went along, and they didn't tell us anything at all about what the episode was about, and um, we were very excited when we discovered it was going to feature the return of Blake, and uh, we got in, and we sat at the back, and Bill Lorimer showed us around the set and introduced us to some of the production team, and then we watched the recording of the final scene. <laughs> and watched all of our heroes horribly slaughtered in front of our eyes. <laughs> Which was kind of the point where we could see how far our career with Blake 7 magazine was going to go. <laughs> Avon wasn't there, was he? I remember Paul looking just incredibly butch with that garment. Sta standing over Blake's body. What do you mean I don't know? <laughs> <laughs> you will in my no, next no, CD. Avon, Avon survives. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. He survives. What? The guards missed them all? Um, oh, no, Avon survives. The final episode... The go sound, on, then. The, the, the sound <laughs> yeah, on, then, yes, yeah. Well, I don't know if you know, but if you don't, I'll tell you, uh, is that uh, there are going to be various novels based on Blake 7 that are going to be published by Big Finish. And... I have been asked to write one of them. And needless to say, the main character. <laughs> <laughs> sure as hell ain't Blake. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and that will be published uh, when I finished it, presumably. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, 2013, I think, it will be published. 2013? Yes. That, that far away? Yeah. Well, it's something to look forward to, isn't yes, it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You mean that's when I've got to finish it, or that's when you're going to publish that's it? That's when it's going to be published. Oh, I see. Right, OK. Um, yes, so there you are. Um, so you will learn more. Mm. Mm. And Alistair, you're, you're the genius who has remade all of these sound effects and recreated the sound feel of the show. And I know you've been working intensely for months on this, haven't you? I have, yes. Um, I was very pleased and, and happy to be asked to, uh, to work on this uh, series because I worked on the uh, reboot. I don't know if any of you have heard any of those episodes. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, even played Zen in that series. But, uh, so it was interesting to come back and uh, do these. I suppose one advantage I have is that I've uh, built up a, a library of Blake 7 sound effects and have spent happy, many happy uh, uh, hours recreating a lot of the noises 
recreating all the bridge sounds, all the teleport sounds, all the gun noises. And There's so a very interesting fact I'd like to share with you about Alistair, in fact. Um, I hope you don't mind. Uh, if, if, if you go around Brighton and Hove on one of their city bus tours, uh, you, you get these little... You know the sort of things that they're open top and you sit and you stop outside a shop and it tells you it was made in the 18th century or something like that. Um, it, it stops outside these various places and all of a sudden you hear this boom, information, boom, but done better than that, obviously. And <laughs> it's, it's Alistair being zen on yes. a Brighton and Hove city bus. Uh. <laughs> but he's been replaced this year. He's not in it this year. Yeah. Is it Paul Darrow? <laughs> no. <laughs> he's gone. Should be. Slave. Yes. <laughs> And so, so how would you say, for example, reproduce the sound of the teleport? How would you...? I suppose that's... <laughs> uh-huh. to, 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 well, to use a technical term, reverse engineering. Um, well, with any of these sounds, I, I, I'm, I, I've been obsessed with sound and so forth since I was a kid, and so when the original series was on, I was listening to all of these sounds and thinking, okay, how, how were they done, apart from somebody pressing a key on a keyboard? Um, and uh, my friend Kevin Davis, uh, who's a director and so forth, he did 30 years in the TARDIS. We were talking about this one day, and I said, well, I think it was the sound of um, a cymbal sort of modulated, somebody sort of um, rattling the, the stick on the side of a cymbal to get that shh noise and then uh, modulated to get that whoosh, 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 and then you turn the speed of the device up to get it to go faster or slower. And he reckoned that it was the plate uh, winding up and winding down of, um, in a cinema when you make up the uh, film. You, take the, you put your film down on the table and uh, it goes onto the big cake stand as it's called nowadays. And the noise this plate makes is also very similar to the sound of a cymbal. So we argued about that. Well, I didn't have the sound of that, but I did have the sound of a cymbal, so that's, that's what I used. Other noises, like the Liberator gun, I just thought, well, I, I don't know. I think it was this particular sound on a synthesizer, and I spent most of one afternoon just listening to the original sound and then playing my own version of it to get it to sound like. I listened to Solitary, which was my one with the magnificent Anthony here, this morning, and the thing that sold it to me as genuine Blake Seven was uh, Alistair did the, after the teleport, he did the that's what sold it to you, huh? Yes, it was. The rest of it was... We see you weren't in it, Paul, that's why. Well, that was Blake 7. It's a very long podcast. If anyone's still listening, anything to add, Paul Sprague or David Richardson. Yeah, it's been a nice, it's been a nice week, hasn't it? It's been like the yeah. weather's improved. The weather's yeah. very nice. We went out for lunch for we the did. first oi, time oi, in, in oi. months. Like oh, you said what have we got to say? Oh yes, shut up. Like this all the time, listeners. Yes, contrary to what Peter Anglides says on the podcast, I have never written Blake Seven fiction. Really? He's written some other fiction. Mm. If you look find it on the internet, listeners, <laughs> no. looks like you're lying to me. <laughs> no, I, did, I, I, I kind of wish I had, but he, he was insistent that I'd written all these Blake Seven stories, and I hadn't. But I wish I had because I'm, 
I wish I could write. Oh, oh God. God. I'm so sad. I'm just, I'm just hired for my looks. That's what you said to me in an email the other day. I know. When you completely messed something up. You, you didn't reply, though, did you? No. There's no right answer, that's why. <laughs> he looks crestfallen. He looks really crestfallen. It was when you couldn't add numbers up, wasn't it? Well, it's because I was adding the numbers up okay. I just was had one of the variables wasn't clear. Sorry, I dropped off there. Go on. Has he picked his crest up yet? <laughs> did, did you want to say anything? Apart no, from I'm, the weather? I'm The weather's was, nice. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I was... Yeah. yeah, I particularly like all of the, the roadworks around here that have been going on recently. They're Lovely, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wish some more of the trains would start running to time, that'd be good. That'd be good. They stop at the weekend. There's nothing at the weekend. Right. There's nothing. God. Seriously right for living here, didn't it? <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Right. I'm off to my writer's retreat now. Well, Goodbye. To be Bye. fair, he does have the best commute. <laughs> Ten minute walk. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.